everybody. Welcome back to Schoolhouse Cracked. Uh, as usual, we're here enthusiastically with my good friend, Dr. Marcus Motorchandler, uh, professor of educators, longtime school leader, and of course, before that, uh, mental health professional and school counselor, yeah. um, and the best one I know. And next to me, Mr. Brett Derrickson, one of my favorite human beings, absolutely hilarious, and one of the most adept leaders and educators in work with children and staff. Um, so today, welcome back. Um, as always, before we get into it, be sure to like and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, and download our podcast on any of your favorite podcast channels. Um, as always, send us your feedback, send us your thoughts. We love to integrate and incorporate audience feedback and your ideas. Um, but based off some feedback we've gotten recently, Brett, and our last episodes on um, coming back to school, and uh, join the classroom, um, kind of a segue into that from some of the feedback, and this was uh, feedback from one of our audience members this last week, was um, uh, soft skills and, and what they are and how do we actually teach them. So we're not talking about, um, you know, do I know how to do X standard in my algebra class, but this, the skills that we know are applicable across content within the job fields all the way into adulthood. How do we teach them in schools and how do we teach them at home as parents? Yeah, let's just even, I don't, I don't know, something about how you said soft skills irritated me so bad I can't even speak about it. That, that was a setup. Oh, good. <laughs> I didn't tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, man, you know, and every, I think we all know that soft skills, um, and, I, and I hate to, you know, be patriarchal in, in the use of language or anything, but we're simply saying something about these skills that are, are either unique or, or different or we, you and I like to use the word nuanced. Yeah, they're absolutely. not soft. They're essential. Mm -hmm. They're what employers want. Uh, it's what I want out of my children. It's what I expect out of myself. It's what I expect the audience to wonder about you and I. Yeah, we have 40 years plus of uh, experience in education, but you could probably pull any two middle-aged men together who've been made a career out of it. Lame middle-aged white men with a camera and a microphone, and they yeah, probably exactly. have four years of experience. A yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and does the audience know if I was a, a strong, medium, or weak soccer coach, strong, medium, or weak uh, social studies teacher, strong, medium, or weak uh, school leader? They is, don't. Is middling an option? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Fledgling. 40 years of fledgling. No, the, the point is, is that what we're talking about is everything we really want out of our children that you can't easily write into a curriculum. You can't put it in a textbook necessarily. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, but but there are ways, and what I think what we'll get to, what we're going to try to get to, is ways that we have seen uh, how schools uh, and how parents and families and communities mm -hmm. can design these things. We, Marcus and I, both agree, and it's it's not really about agreeing. There's some things that are just known and knowledge that that every human being is made up of nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. um, we can't do anything in schools about about the nature. Um, what we're working on are the learned behaviors. I'm going to share real quickly a uh, brief story about uh, my two oldest children. My uh, Dr. Motor Channel, Marcus here, asked me about, you know, how's your week going, how's your family doing, uh, as we were getting set up uh, for the podcast. I'm like, we've had a really interesting week, a really great week, and I was just speaking as a, as a family. My, my middle son is an incredible athlete, and he's had intense success, mm -hmm. particularly uh, th this week. Uh, and and uh, as a young athlete as yeah, well, a lot yeah, of success. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like a progeny or whatever. However, you'd say that. But this week, he he started to demonstrate for me going beyond being a joyful leader mm -hmm. and a jovial personality in the dugout. Baseball's ways playing at this time, 
And yesterday, I really I talked to him in the car. I said, "Hey, hey, man, I, great game. We talked about some of those things that mm-hmm. I know he needed to talk about." I said, "Hey, I, I need to tell you, I think your behavior is moving from confident mm-hmm. and joyful to being a leader of cocky and arrogant and entitled." You you just kind of had like a physical visceral visceral reaction retelling that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really did, and yeah. I, I could even even show you. I got a little a little video of my and if you look at his face, you can see he thinks he thinks he's better than. He the thinks game. he's hot shit. Yeah, yeah, he thinks he's better than the game. Yeah. I think he thinks he's better than his opponents. I think that everybody who's ever played baseball and you have and other sports, he, he's he's hot right now. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It, he's not spe- spectacular. My other son at the same time is. Having to work off paying a speeding ticket, mm-hmm. he made a real poor choice first week. Like of, his first week of his license, yeah, right? First yeah, first week yeah, of his yeah. license. It was a choice we didn't ever expect him to make. It exhibited a behavior that we didn't understand. Right. Um, and he's he's working uh, summer camps. He's a soccer player, and he's he's you know he's working summer camps as a as a soccer coach. At that same time, he's being rewarded with opportunity after opportunity mm-hmm. to be a part of things that he finds exciting and interesting and it has nothing to do with the quality of soccer player he is it has everything to do with the soft skills the quality of character yes, and those his skills ab- yeah. his ability to connect mm-hmm. with the adults around mm-hmm. him in a yeah. meaningful way the ability to connect with the young people mm-hmm. the ability to connect with their parents articulate the game uh, they've been playing. Uh, uh, it's a soccer camp. It's an all-day soccer camp. Mm. Eight to four p.m. Ninety-seven degree heat on field turf. Oh, geez. The yeah. ability to stay strong, stay mentally, res- stay resilient, and resilient yeah. and yeah. focused, folks. That's those are the essential skills, or an aspect of the social skills. What are they, and how do we get them to our kids in schools? So, it, you hit on a great point because. There's a lot of term confusion here when we talk about soft skills. So depending on the field, we, we, we talk about the same things differently. So a, a psychologist and a counselor will name them one thing. Mm-hmm. A, a, a educator will name them another. An econom- economist will name them another. And ultimately, we're talking about the same things. We're talking about the same things that lead to success both in school as a child and then after they leave school. And so that term confusion causes a lot of problems for us. So we say soft skills, we say social skills, we say um, non-cognitive skills, and that that means a hundred different things depending on who you're asking. But what it what it boils down to is is several different things, and we we have some different differing opinions on what some of these quote soft skills are. Um, but one of the things that that always st- stands out to me is uh, how uncomfortable we've been as educators over the last twenty years, maybe intentionally embedding those into our instruction and as parents us intentionally speaking about them at the dinner table at night i i know as a parent and and i know you have different conversations at home because of your experience in education but i i know most parents in my own personal experience growing up and and seeing my nieces and nephew when you get home from school what's usually the first question your parents ask you about school hey how was your day yeah how was your day Mm -hmm. it was good Mm -hmm. and then what does good mean yeah what does good mean (laughs) that was fun i don't have any homework tonight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and the depth and complexity of that conversation typically st- continues to focus on, on like surface level content, right? Like I had a tough math test, mm-hmm. um, PE was fun, uh, Susie and I got into a fight, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and not talking about kind of those other things. Well, Susie and you got in a fight. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Like what, what was it precipitated upon? Um, we had a really hard math test today. Like, did you feel prepared? What did you do to prepare? Yeah. 
Um, it was tough. How did you feel after a very tough exam? What are you going to do differently next time? Those are the level and depth and complexity of questions that, that begin to elicit a, a student's reflection on their own building of their, of their soft skills. Marcus, if you don't mind me just saying, and I hope this isn't uh, either berating or condescending to, to families out there. Those excellent questions are asked not because uh, they have master's degrees in psychology or work with youth uh, for a profession. They, they are born out of a long-term vision for the child. Absolutely. For parents, when you're having a daily conversation, set that daily conversation up for wondering about the long-term growth mm -hmm. of, of, of the kid. Of course, they had just a regular day. So well, what, do you, what are we going to do to get around that? Yeah. And we, if, we're, if we're asking ourselves, well, well shoot, they, had, they failed today at something or didn't do as well as they thought, like the math mm -hmm. test example you just gave. By asking questions about how you prepared or uh, what will you do next time, mm -hmm. you're allowing your student to see it as an experience. We've, we've all heard it. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you haven't heard of Growth Mindset. Yeah, we're all wondering what those things definitely. really mean. So when I'm having a daily conversation with my child, I'm thinking about how that fits into the the full experience the road, of the roadmap. The roadmap, yeah, right. And so yeah, I failed, you know, I failed this math test or didn't go like I thought. And then asking those follow up questions is because it's okay that they didn't well, do well today. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering about how that's I can steer this conversation. That's not, not an end to, point in time, right? Yeah. And it's not about what you should have done. It's about what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether, whether you're a business person, if you want the students to develop skills that transcend time, soft skills, mm -hmm. essential skills, non-cognitive skills like Dr. Miller Chandler's talking about, think about the fact that this is an experience in a moment of time that we can leverage forward. Yeah. And one of the things that, that stands out to me that's kind of timely is every, I feel like I see it this time of year, every year for maybe the last four, four summers going into a school year, and it's this garbage, it, it's a shit meme, and I see teachers posting it on, on Facebook every year, and, and it's initially well-intentioned, but it hits that, that, that huge gap between how we build soft skills in, in students at home and students at school, and the meme is, is, quote, the best thing a parent can do is uh, to prepare a student for school is to send a respectful and polite student to school, <laughs> and I... I'm sorry, it's garbage. I yeah, hate it yeah. because it's an oversimplification of what it means to be polite and respectful. Mm -hmm. what, it, what I think it hints at is sending a compliant student to school. And I, you, know, you know this about me. I, I hate compliance for compliance sake. Um, compliance means you turn in your worksheet on time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you actually learned anything. Yeah. And, and it also oversimplifies the work parents are doing at home in, in quote, sending a polite and respectful student to school. Culturally, that can mean something very different depending on every culture, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we know that. But also, if, if a student is polite and respectful, so your eldest who is advancing through, through these ranks because of who he's been identified as a person, as a leader, and having skills that, that help him in a team environment, um, that's not just polite and respectful. That was thousands of conversations over years and years and years and years. And, and things like that about sending a polite and respectful student to school oversimplify it. Yeah, how about sending an authentic, genuine, best person? I mean, the point is with my son, and I do want to celebrate him. I'm not, I'm not going to be unabashed yeah. about that yeah. because I'm also going to, like, turn around and, like, nail my other son. 
But the point is, is like what 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 is really shining through, folks? Like when he's getting these invitations to come back and be a coach again and getting these opportunities, is that he's authentic, caring, observant, enduring. Mm-hmm. Don't just say polite and respectful. Like, and one of the things that all the stories you've told me about him yeah. is he takes feedback from adults well, yeah, yeah. reflects on it, and implements it. Yeah. And I, and I'll tell you that's a life skill that I see adults struggle with all the way till retirement. Right. Yeah. And the the other the other one about my little star athlete. Uh, is the most important one, I think, to tell. Because I had a, re- a really good friend 20 years ago tell me about this when he went to teach at another school. He went to an affluent school that has an excellent reputation. He said, parents think because their students excel at school and they excel at sports that they're good people mm. and they're wrong. Yeah. Here's the point. I don't care if my son hits a 1,000 home runs. If he's not a good person... Mm. Caring to his future wife, attentive to his children, involved in his community, kind to his teammates, then I could care less if he hits enough home runs to get into the Hall of Fame. Folks, that's the same thing with grades and at whatever level that that you are. They're not achieving if they don't have these essential skills. The essential skills are interpersonal. Mm -hmm. They're communicative. They are based on organization. They are based, like you said, on reflection and and an ability to address oneself, Mm -hmm. self-regulation. So the... What we're saying here in our podcast uh, uh, to our to our, our writer is is that that schools can and should work on things, even though these are values loaded. They're not soft. They can be defined. Right. They can be designed into the learning environment. And most importantly, if I just say something super shallow, if any administrators <laughs> or teachers are out there listening, number one, they simply can be celebrated. Do not celebrate things that you don't care about. I don't care about home runs. That's knuckles in my house. Finding out that my, maybe my son spent extra time helping another teammate work on 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 their game, mm-hmm. that's something to celebrate. Yeah. So celebrate what you desi- what you what you really care about. So then that's the the next question, Brett, from our writer, uh, the person who wrote in, is in school when we intentionally embed these skills into our instruction, what is what does that look like? Well, first of all, it just means verbalizing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's there's there are very there's layers to the onion of complexity. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. But number one, if if you're a teacher, uh, maybe this is overwhelming. You're starting with with students next week or in two weeks, and there's not mm-hmm. a curriculum for this, or you haven't read a book yet. Don't run out and uh, read a book. Uh, just simply, really verbalize and acknowledge. Uh, what you're doing mm-hmm. so maybe maybe we're doing an activity to learn a very specific content-based thing but we're going to do an activity that requires collaboration mm-hmm. just call it that say hey this is collaboration what does good collaboration look like what does poor collaboration look mm-hmm. like identify what those things are and then say well let's just work then on being an active listener whatever mm-hmm. it is that the students identify so so naming the skill mm-hmm. th- so students have that vocabulary for skill identification mm-hmm. and the language in which we we praise students and that's something we've both been guilty of in our early in our careers is that we we praise behavior that on the surface is is a positive behavior so compliance raising your hand and asking a question turning your homework in on time um, but going out of your way to recognize identify name and then praise yeah. that specific skill and then using that language consistently embedded in your instruction, embedded in your curriculum and embedded school-wide. So we talk about positive behaviors of support. We talk about multi-tiered systems of support. And, and uh, uh, to be frank, nobody does it well. I'm, 
if that offends anybody or upsets anybody, I'm sorry. I've been in enough places. Nobody does it well. We do aspects of it very well. But one of the things that I think is imperative to, to success of any of those programs in a school is consistent use of language around that skill development. Yeah. And it, you can't name and, and identify and praise it differently than me because ultimately we're going to have the same student in our classes. You might be the history teacher. Mm. I might be the science teacher. And if we're identifying that skill differently – recognizing it, praising it, and teaching it differently, it's, it's going to create some c confusion for that kid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even uh, in addition to that is being intentional about that school-wide. So if we're talking to schools, so we were talking to parents earlier, ask the right questions, celebrate the, the, the right things. If your student is doing well, it's work ethic. If your student isn't doing work, we're working on effort or structures or organization or advocating for yourself. You know, figure out what it is that that is the skill. When we're talking about schools at this point, we're talking about going school-wide mm -hmm. with clarity and intention, mm -hmm. and it can be demonstrated and shown anywhere at any time. And, and, and for parents at home, that should be something that's easily identifiable from an outside observer as a parent. Mm -hmm. You know how your student is learning these skills and the language that's being used. So as a parent, you can reinforce it at home. Right. Yeah. Right. Here's, here's a great example of, of where we don't embed this the best in our schools is we'll have a student who wins like the coach's award for the basketball team. Oh, my God. I was just about for, to talk to, I was just for to their say effort, <laughs> right? Yeah. For their effort. But what does effort mean? Right. Yeah. And then, but somehow we can't get them to turn in their their work mm. and somewhere in that brain of that child those two things lie in the same or or they they build upon each other with with schema it's like oh hey, absolutely you're yeah. the hardest yeah. working kid you're always here your shoes are tied you're, yeah. you got you're you're ready to go you're on the line ready to run uh you you rush back from from the timeout to the to the circle yeah. you you know do all these things but when i go into class uh, you have to be asked three times to, you know, go get your supplies or mm -hmm. to uh, engage in dialogue with your partner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those those things need to be more explicitly connected. For yes. Kids. And, yeah. and, and, and tied together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other uh, piece to that for me is. F at home, making sure that those are also positively acknowledged and I'm just going to go ahead and admit this one you know I've got this young man that I was it almost sounds like I love one child and spite the other but here's here's just kind of my vulnerability is that because I find my my middle son to be a little bit cocky and arrogant I overlook that he does some incredible things as as a human being. You you hone in on the on the trigger. Yeah, yeah, and I've and I've got I've got to do a better job of seeing what others see in my son, which uh, can be tremendous. Uh, an ability to connect uh, with others, to be an influencer, and I've got to start sharpening the edges on that and acknowledging. Um, he he is a fifteen year old. He's a fifteen year old not just at school and developmentally. He's a fifteen year old in my home. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, kind of all told, the key takeaways I would say probably are from our own personal experiences and, and everything you just talked about your children is is being explicit with the recognition of those skills, um, modeling them. Obviously, mm -hmm. um, you know we we didn't speak too much to modeling, but if we want a student to be quote respectful, or if we want a student to be prompt, or we want a student to be 
um, caring, we need to model that for ourselves. And we've both seen that too often where we expect something of a student that we're not willing to do ourselves. And we, in our first episode, we talked about cell phones in the classroom and Mm -hmm. we hammer kids about not pulling out their cell phones in the classroom, but adults in a staff meeting will have their cell phones out. So be, be an appropriate role model, both at home and at school, um, explicitly identifying it, explicitly praising it and being consistent in our language and knowing that Spending time talking about that in instruction is not diverting you from your lesson plan. It is not um, uh, taking away from us hitting that standard that Mm -hmm. day. Because ultimately, and one of the things we didn't fully get into is these skills when when built up and, and supported in a student, will we'll support them across classrooms. We'll support them aclo- across environments. So a student who's, who's worked on organization as a skill and we've supported has that skill regardless of environment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's just you're articulating one that you didn't just, just totally name. And it's like focus on what matters. Mm-hmm. Focus on what's enduring. This is a place where, where Marcus and I definitely agree. The skills... Mm-hmm. The essential skills, the soft skills, the non-cognitive skills, however it is that we name it, figure out a name for it in your school or in your home and and get on the same page. But at the end of the day, they're enduring, they're hard to teach, Mm -hmm. they must be learned, and they're what will make them successful for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And don't don't over-celebrate things that don't matter because if my son at 15 years old can hand a baseball further than other 15-year-olds, at some point in time he's going to be 45 years old and worried about like how is like – chest looks underneath his shirt the point is is that his being adaptable uh flexible uh reflective coachable hardworking, those things will matter the whole time through Mm -hmm. and so you know ask yourself in your home what should what should my kids really be learning because it's not biology i mean i love biology it's essential i am glad that my Doctor knows biology. I'm 45 years old. I earn a really good income, and I couldn't, you know, pass a ninth grade biology multiple. But do you know test. mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell? I know that mitochondria <laughs> is a word used in biology classes. But really, uh, folks, take a, take a look. Your school does have them. Your state does have them written into the state standards. Um, you know, if you own or operate a business, or if, or if you manage people, that. That's what you really want out of your employees. We're, we've all said a thousand times before in education, there's something about that kid, I know they're gonna be successful. Yeah. And we say that when they're not, they just don't quite fit the perfect mold of the student, but we know they've got something. Well, that something mm-hmm. is nameable, mm-hmm. discernible, measurable, and teachable. And, and so it, I would say the one takeaway here, Brett, is you know sometimes we say don't do this or do this or, but as a teacher, and this is coming strictly from my experiences in ministry and walking to a classroom and seeing this, as a teacher, don't be afraid to take a sidestep from your lesson if it's a moment to teach and reinforce this skill in one student or the entire class. Because if you're reinforcing it for one, for one student, ultimately that's modeling it for all students. Yeah. So don't be afraid to go down that rabbit hole in instruction. You may miss the day's target, but it'll pay dividends for you three months down the road. And, and so don't be afraid to, to take that sidestep, yeah. that that good first instruction, that bell-to-bell instruction. It's shit if you miss that opportunity yeah. to develop a skill that is applicable across environments. Yeah, and acknowledge what it really is. When that kid that always writes the best paper or is your best student turns in another good piece of work, don't acknowledge their good work or their good product. Acknowledge their effort. Yeah. 
Acknowledge how they use the feedback. Concrete feedback. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Acknowledge what the skills were that lead to the excellent product. Yeah. That's what the other students need to know and understand, and that's what you need to work on as you're designing your learning lessons. Marcus, I'm done with this, but all I can tell you is, is that um, what, what matters to me most about you are the soft skills, the way that you've poured into me, connected into me, yeah. helped me prepare, taught me how to do things better, said honest things to me so I can improve. The, it is, it's not the knowledge of infinite campus or yeah. of, of school systems or yeah. school law that's made me a better uh, administrator. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and, and same to you, Brett. You know, we, we got along and we connected very early on in our careers because of those things. And so, again, don't be afraid to take those opportunities at home. Don't be afraid to take those opportunities in the classroom. If you've got an administrator worth their salt, they'll understand. Mm -hmm. So as always, thanks for tuning in to Schoolhouse Cracked. You can find us on YouTube. Be sure to, to subscribe. Find us on Facebook. Like us. And find us on any of your favorite podcast applications and download our podcast. As yeah. always with me is Mr. Brett Derrickson, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with all the tales about dumb things he said in classrooms. Yep, they're all real, and there's even worse ones that haven't <laughs> been shared yet. Thank you, Dr. Marcus Miller Chandler, for setting this up and getting things ready. Folks, don't only listen, tune in, give us those comments, help drive the instruction. Schoolhousecracked at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, send us your thoughts. We'd love to create an episode based off of your thoughts and opinions. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.